Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. And we are going to be in John chapter 8 this morning. Over the past several weeks, we've been studying through the Gospel of John. And we are in chapter 8 this morning. Jeremy and I were just talking before we started about how much is packed into each of these chapters. And that certainly is, is true here in John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus' teaching is so in-depth and goes in so many different directions with different people. It's a lot to cover in 30 minutes, but we're going to do the best that we can to at least give a good overview of, of what's taking place here in John chapter 8 and really the application that, that we should be taking from it today. So Jeremy, as we get into chapter 8, when we see you here beginning a, a story that is probably fairly well known for a lot of people, I, I told you before I started, a lot of times this is the part of John chapter 8 that I think of most often when I think of this text, but Jesus here is again being thrust into a situation that he didn't necessarily intend to be in but took advantage of it when that situation was presented to him. Right. We have seen that already a couple of different times uh, throughout the Gospel of John where Jesus is put into situations by people who are trying to catch him, trying to trick him, and, and he is able, as only he is, to take those situations and, and really turn them around into just unbelievable teaching moments. And that's exactly what he does here. So we get into chapter 8. You know, what are your thoughts initially about where Jesus is and the situation that he finds himself in? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It, it's almost something that comes up that he doesn't have anything to do with. I mean, mm -hmm. the circumstance at the very beginning of chapter 8 really doesn't have anything to do with Jesus at all. It, it certainly has to do with the woman who's been caught in adultery. It has certainly to do with the ones that have caught her and, and, mm -hmm. and even the Jewish. I mean, they have laws in regards to these, these types of things. And you know, Jesus is there, not having anything to do with it, but you're exactly right. He has uh, opponents who are always looking for opportunities mm -hmm. to trip him up, and they feel as if they have one right here. Now, they're already over however many <laughs> that they've tried, and it's not going to exactly go their way, you know, here as well. But what is really interesting about this story is you, you really have probably one of the most well-known sentences mm -hmm. that— people know from Jesus. Maybe they don't even know it comes from Jesus. But, you know, that phrase where he'll throw it out, you know, if, if, you, if you don't have sin, basically, you know, throw the first stone. That, that kind of has been morphed into something not what Jesus intended right. here. I mean, it, right. it kind of, in the world, morphs into you can't tell me what to do, mm -hmm. you know, kind of scenario. And that's not in any way what Jesus was intending here. So I think you're right. It is a story that people are somewhat familiar with, I may be confused about exactly the way that it went down, but at least a circumstance that they're, they kind of have some knowledge of. I think this shows, I mean, right off the bat, it shows a little bit of a, still a misunderstanding of, of what Jesus is doing on earth. Yeah. I mean, the Jews, whether their intentions were good or not, they, they had this woman dead to rights. Sure. I mean, she was literally caught in the act of adultery and under the Jewish law, that is punishable by death. They had her dead to rights. What they were either not understanding or, if you want to look at it from the, the perspective of they were trying to trick Jesus, which their track record would show that's probably the case, <clears throat> they were bringing her to him to put him in a place of being the judge. 
And I think that really shows, again, a, a little bit of a misunderstanding of, of what Christ's role on earth was. Right. Even, even he will say that that's not what he came to earth to do. You know, we, we read in, in John chapter 3 that, you know, he came to earth to save, not to condemn. That wasn't his intention of coming to earth to begin with. And so I think sometimes people will look at this story and think, well, why didn't Jesus say punish her? That, she did wrong, and, and he, is, he is going to be our judge one day. How come he didn't punish her? And I think that, that shows a, a little bit of a, a misunderstanding of why Christ came to earth. He didn't come to earth to be a judge while he was here. Right. He, was, he came to earth, we're going to read it later, to bring truth yeah. and to save. That, that's what his purpose was in coming to, to this earth. The Jews were trying to put him in a position of being the judge. And that wasn't what he was here to do, and he wasn't going to let them put him in that situation. So I think it's, it's really important to, to read this story recognizing that Jesus wasn't condoning sin here. He wasn't even saying, don't worry about it, it's not that big of a deal. Sure. I think what he was doing was recognizing and trying to help other people recognize, I didn't come to earth to be your judge. You guys have laws. You guys take care of it. I, I'm here to save. I'm here to bring truth to this world. That's his purpose. Now, he, he, he tells this woman to go and sin no more. He, he recognizes, right. hey, this isn't something you should be involved in. But, but being put in a situation to be a judge while on earth, that, he wasn't going to have anything to do with that. And he wasn't going to let himself be backed into a corner here. You know what? Interesting. I, th- I think certainly something we can learn from Jesus. I mean, lots of things certainly we can learn from Jesus. But, you know, to your point on when Jesus was on earth, he was focused on the purpose of him being there. I mean, he was focused solely on that. I mean, you can even go back, I mean, to the very outset you see even from John chapter 2 when you know his mother kind of calls on him you know to perform the miracle that he does there in Cana where where he's still he's he seems very focused on the purpose that he's mm-hmm. there for mm-hmm. and, and you see that in his teaching you see that in the miracles that he 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 does and and you see that in the way he conducts himself that he's very focused on the fact that he came to save that's yeah. why he came to save um, that, that's why he came and, you know, listen, does he have the authority to judge? He most certainly does. He, he's God. He's even made that a clear, uh, even before, you know, before this point, he's made the point about the authority that he has. He made, he's made the point that he is God. I mean, John begins his gospel, I mean, literally in the very mm-hmm. first verse with that point, that Jesus, even on earth, was God. And he had, you know, he had the ability to do those things, but that just, it was not why he was here. I mean, we'll certainly get there in several weeks, but, you know, Jesus on the cross when, you know, he was called upon, hey, well, why don't you just come on down from there? Mm -hmm. Well, you're like, well, why didn't he do that? He could have done that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he certainly had the power to do that, but that was, that was not the purpose uh, that he was there, not to, you know, just impress everybody. He talks mm-hmm. about that specifically, you know, with his miracles. That was certainly a big part of John chapter 6, that, you know, he had people just simply following him because they were impressed by what he did, and he he, he moved them past that. And ultimately, yeah. you know, they weren't interested in following him anymore because, you know, that's not what, that's not just what he was about. Did those things support his purpose? That That's the reason for miracles. And so you see that play out, you know, even in this situation where you have the picture of Jesus. I mean, all of this is, you know, is going on around him. He's drawing on the ground. He's Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. and he's certainly paying attention and Mm -hmm. listening. And he just, 
he's waiting. I mean, I think he knows what's coming, yep. and, and certainly it does, and just the way that he handles it. Certainly the care and the compassion I think he showcases for the woman is on display, but also the way he's able to cause people to think yeah. when he speaks. He doesn't make demands here in any mm-hmm. way. He just causes people to think when he speaks, and, and maybe that's another thing that we can certainly learn from him here. Yeah, and, and making these Jews consider what they were doing, not just to this woman, but also how they were treating Jesus and, and really what they were doing to him, I think is really important. And, and another thing that, that stood out to me when I, was, when I was reading this is the idea that the Jews, they, they knew how to punish Sure. That, that wasn't anything they needed additional teaching in in this, in this regard. They, they knew the law, and they knew the consequences associated with breaking the law. Right. They knew it. Jesus knew it. Probably this woman knew it. Everybody knew that. Mm-hmm. What they needed help in was the area of grace and love right. and compassion. And Jesus recognized that. And that, I think he, he approaches many of the conversations that he's going to have with them from that perspective. Because what he's trying to show them <clears throat> is that, yes— there are laws that are important, and there are do's and there are don'ts, and there are consequences that go along with that. There's also love and compassion and grace, and, and the Jews were having a difficult time kind of merging those two things together, and Christ is the ultimate example of someone who was able to do that. He, he's able in, in one breath to say, go and sin no more, while also showing an importance of, of, of embracing someone who is struggling and helping them be better than they were in the past. He, he's so good at that. And the Jews needed that type of a teaching right here. And so I think he approaches it from that perspective of making them, as you said, making them really think about this. Think about what you're doing. Listen, you who without sin throw the first stone, where, where are you right now? Think about your own life. Think about your own decisions, your own actions. Um, what if you were in this situation? You know, to make people think on that level, I think, is, is something that certainly the, the Jews needed at this point in time. And, and again, I, I think it's something that we could all stand to th- give some thought to today as to how we approach people who are living in sin or doing, doing things that we know are in contrary to God's law. How do we approach them? Do we approach them as judge, jury, and executioner? Do we approach them in love and grace, trying to help them overcome those things, and in doing so, draw closer to God in the process? Yeah, I mean, this story right here at the beginning of chapter 8, for me, is a miracle from Jesus without the supernatural. Hmm. You know what I mean by that is, I mean, listen, we've seen Jesus raise people from the dead, We've seen him heal people with lifelong infirmities. I mean, John mm-hmm. chapter 9, the very next chapter, is a, you know, a picture of that. You know, people with just debilitating things going on where he takes them from where they were. And now, you know, because of his love, because of his compassion and the mercy that he's able to bestow upon them, he puts them in a, in a very different place. And, and that's exactly what he does with this woman without the supernatural. Yeah. You make the point, she is dead. She's walking dead here. They've got her, I mean, listen, pardon the pun, but dead to rights. I mean, that's you know, a phrase we use all the time, but that's where they have her, and they, and they mm-hmm. know it. And, she, and you rightly said she knows it. Mm-hmm. But yet, 
in that position that she was, she has an interaction with Jesus, and now she ends up at the end of that story in a very different place, much like the ones that he's raised from the dead or mm -hmm. heals of their blindness or their uh, crippled legs or whatever the case may be. And it just goes to show the power that Jesus shows, he, certainly here with his love. I mean, he's showcasing his love here, not just the impact that it can have on the woman, certainly, but even the impact that it has on all of the people around who just think about mm -hmm. what they what he says, and they, I mean, they 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 move on, and and maybe that's a level of love and compassion that they they got to because they don't throw her on the ground and stone mm -hmm. her uh, because of what Jesus says here. And as we made mention of, kind of at the outset of this, you know, what this conversation does then as as the story continues is that it challenges people again to consider who Jesus is, why he's here, the authority that he has. It's continuing to, to force people to give consideration to what are we going to do with this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about that several times already, how you know, many of the interactions that Jesus has uh, bring people to that question that they have to deal with. What are we going to do with this guy? And, and again, th this one kind of does the same thing. As the story continues, he's going to talk about you know, where he came from and where he's going and those types of things, this, this interaction is going to give him an opportunity to again force people to consider, who am I? And then once you come to that conclusion, what are you going to do about it? You know, th those types of big picture questions are, are continually being brought to the forefront as, as people continue to have to process this. Jesus isn't going to let them off the hook here. You know, he's not going to let him off the hook, but he's going to continue to challenge them when it comes to, to who he is. And, and that's, that, I think, is really important. It's something we see Jesus doing time and time again. And, and it's important for us to do today, not to, not to just overwhelm people, but to continue to make them think about this. Continue to put people in a situation where they have to think about who Jesus is and what are you going to do about your answer to that question. Jesus is, is an unbelievable master at, at being able to put people in those situations time and time again. See what I've done? Now where does that lead us? Now what are you going to do about it? The, the, that process that he's able to, to kind of lead people along is amazing, and he uses this interaction to kind of continue doing that very thing. Yeah, and John really does that in a different way than we get from the other gospel writers. I mean, and, and the other gospel writers with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And a lot of times, we don't get the after effects very often. We get the, the miracle, or we'll get the teaching, you know, from Jesus. But, you know, John does a good, a really good job of showcasing a circumstance, and then also including, here's what happens because of that. You get the after effects. We see that, and we saw that big time in John chapter 6. He feeds the 5,000, but the bulk of that chapter is the after effects, the teaching that came you know, right after that. And we, we mm -hmm. see that again here in John chapter 8, where you have the circumstance with the woman, and then John says there in verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, you know, it's that, that same crowd, and, and you get mm -hmm. you know, the, that phrase that I am the light of the world, and, and almost pinpointing his purpose, the, what yeah. we were talking about you know, just a moment ago when he says, you know, if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. You'll have the light of life. I mean, this is the purpose yep. for which he was there. And, but John then gives us the entire teaching. 
Again, we're going to see it in John chapter 9. You're going to get a circumstance, a miracle that takes place, but the entirety of the chapter is the after effects of that, of that miracle. And, and I think you're right on the money with Jesus taking the time to make sure there's an understanding of what's really important. Mm-hmm. It, it was important to that woman that she wasn't stoned there. But what really is important is the teaching that happens. And again, the teaching is focused on himself. I mean, mm-hmm. he's saying some things t- about himself, some difficult things for them to grab hold of. But it is that. And, and that's why you have, I mean, it's those, those common phrases, the I am statements mm-hmm. in John that will often reference. This, you know, if you're keeping count, is the second one. You, the first one, John chapter 6, I am the bread of life here. I am the light of the world. But again, it's him talking about himself mm-hmm. and, you know, what people need to really understand about who he is. Yeah, and he's going to draw that contrast, cr- that contrast of him being the light of the world. And then he's going to go on to talk about the the danger of dying in your sins yeah. and, and really what is going to where the breaking point is there really is whether or not you believe in Jesus and who he is and that's again the, the position that he's pointing people towards do you see me as the light of the world do you see me as this guiding light as the source of life and hope if not then the result is you're going to die in your sins. That it, it, He makes it very simple. I mean, right. this isn't, you don't have to have an advanced degree to understand this. He makes it very simple to understand. If you know who I am and you believe in me, then you will be saved. If you don't, if you continue to deny me, you're going to die in your sins. Right. It's very simple teaching, and yet so profound in so many ways. And that, I think, is why I think sometimes we, you know, because we're so far removed from this and we have everything laid out in front of us, we read this and think, how could they not understand this? I mean, how could anybody not see this? And yet, I think it's important to just remember from time to time just how profound and challenging these types of statements were. You know, people were still trying to figure out whether Jesus is telling the truth about who he is. And then if he is, the ramifications that that has... I mean, we're, we're literally life-changing, you know, physically and spiritually in a lot of ways. And so they, he was putting them in, in a lot of difficult situations. They had a lot to process in a very short period of time. And yet, you can both say that and the teaching was very simplistic in its nature. And he was leading them where he wanted them to go. He just needed them to process this and really give consideration to what he was saying. You know, I do think it's interesting as he's kind of laying all those things out for them. They're just struggling to grab hold of it, even though it's right there in front of them. I mean, they're just struggling. I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting in verse 25 when they, you know, he says these things that you made mention of. And, and they say, you know, who are you? You know, who, who are you? And, and Jesus says there at the end of verse 25, I've. I'm basically who I've been saying really <laughs> literally from the very beginning. He said, this, this is the same conversation that we've been having this entire time about who I am and, and what I'm all about. And, but yet, you know, you get there in verse 27 that they just they didn't understand. I mean, they yeah. just didn't understand. But what Jesus does, he doesn't then say, well, you're just not going to get it. I mean, he gives them them something else. And I think we've talked about this, I mean, several times in our study of the Gospel of John. And it's just one of those things that, in my mind, just keeps popping up. And and my guess is we're going to talk about it again at some point. Mm -hmm. But yet, when it's clear that someone is just struggling with something, that you're right, is literally right in front of their face, that Jesus doesn't just, well, that's it. I mean, he gives them something Mm -hmm. else. And I think that shows 
how important it is and how badly he wants everybody to get it. I mean, he wants everybody to grab hold of it. Now, not everybody's going to, but that's what he wants. And so he's going to have the patience Mm -hmm. to, well, here's something else. And then, so he switches gears again to probably what is another well-known piece of text here in John chapter 8. But again, it is, even though they don't get it, he's switching gears once again Mm -hmm. because he knows they they need, they desperately need to grab hold of it. Yeah, and and where he's going to take them then is a very Jewish-centric place where where he's going to begin talking a little bit about Abraham and the the importance of, of that bloodline that the Jews Jews recognized. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about that and how he makes this this transition, you know, there in, in verses 31 and 32, again, as you mentioned, it's probably some of the more well-known words of Jesus, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And it, but their response to that, I think, is really interesting because they, they say in verse number 33, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been under bondage to anyone. There, there's a lot of irony in that, yeah. because truth be told, the Jews have been under bondage forever. Yeah, centuries. I mean, centuries, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they've constantly been under bondage. Still under bondage. Yeah, they still are a lot of ways. <laughs> and so there, there's a lot of irony wrapped up in what their, their response is. But I, but I think in, in some ways, perhaps it may be showing a little bit of an understanding as to what's being talked about, because I think in some ways... They're recognizing the the difference between physical bondage and spiritual freedom, right? And I think they're recognizing that at least on on that level, p- perhaps because again, if they were talking physically, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? And they I think they see that that Jesus is talking more than just the physical freedom or bondage of of life, but looking at it from a more spiritual perspective. But yet they're still struggling with the idea of well, what do we need freedom for? We're Abraham's descendants. We've always been free. And, and what Jesus is trying to, to, to make them recognize is that this, this bloodline that you are so enamored by it doesn't make you free. That's not what you need for spiritual freedom. That's not what you need for salvation. What you need is the truth that I have come to this earth to bring. And again, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier. He didn't come to earth to condemn. He didn't come to earth to judge while he was here. He came to earth to bring truth, and that truth is going to set people free from their sins. And he was trying to help the Jews here recognize that, that it's not Abraham's bloodline that makes you free. I understand that may be what you think, and I understand that for centuries that's what you've held, held to so, so strongly. But now I'm coming to you with something much greater than that. I'm coming to you with the truth. And that truth is what's going to set you free ultimately. And he, I think he's even, even in this text, I mean, he's setting, certainly there, there is an incredible importance on Abraham and what he has done. And, and Jesus, I don't think, is pulling away from that, no. you know, in any way. I mean, you know, you could study even books like, uh, you know, the book of Hebrews that will talk about, you know, the superiority of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it'll make mention of, you know, the fact that he is superior than Moses, than Abraham, than the angels. And the Hebrew writer is there not not knocking down the importance of Moses or the importance of Abraham. It's just the incredible importance of Jesus and what he was all about. And Jesus is, you know, making this point here, but they're so clouded. And mm-hmm. that maybe that's just, I mean, they're just clouded all the time. I mean, they're, they're clouded by their own judgments and their own biases. 
And, you know, every time that Jesus looks to speak here, I mean, you know, he's making mention about God the Father, that, you know, God is my Father, and, you know, that, and if you've seen me, basically, you've seen the Father, and then they're following it up with, nope, not us, Abraham, Abraham's our Father. And it's almost like, think about what, think about what you're saying here. You're, you're then trying to say Abraham is above God here, and he was important. But their, their understanding of this transition mm-hmm. between the old law to Christ and then what's going to come next is a huge, huge challenge for the Jews. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see that play out in the book of Acts and certainly through the epistles. And, it, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's easy for us to kind of, you know, jump on them and say, hey, well, you, you should be able to get all this. But it is a massive challenge yeah. for them about these things. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus is cracking the door on that a little bit. And I think in a lot of ways, that, that's why the Jewish folks really struggled with him because their mm-hmm. own biases about the old law and its purpose is coming into play here. And Jesus is really pushing up against that. He, he did his entire ministry, really. Yeah. And their, their response to that in verse 48, I mean, it kind of made me chuckle a little bit when when I was studying through it, you know, they, they answer him and say, do we not say rightly that you were a Samaritan and have a demon? It's almost like you, there's no way you could be a Jew and say this, this type <laughs> right. of stuff. I mean, right. it, that can't happen. You've got to be some outcast of society here if you're going to speak like this. You know, they, again, they just they held Abraham in such high regard and they held their, their genealogy in such high regard that, that even, even a challenge that, as you pointed out, isn't directly a challenge it's more of a a building block on that but but anything that they that they deem challenging to the importance of abraham and that jewish bloodline they're they're going to rebel at that immediately and that's exactly what they do here they i mean they they know jesus is a jew right i think they're just they're making the point here like no jewish person would say what you just said about Abraham and Jesus, I, I have to I have to wonder from time to time as you read these interactions if if he doesn't have these moments where he's just shaking his head, <laughs> thinking, "What yeah. on earth?" I mean, come on, guys, you know I'm a Jew, you know where I'm from. Do we really have to go down this route? But but that's exactly where they take him. But again, he uses that opportunity to again turn it around and to point directly to God the Father to bring honor and glory to Him and try and point them in that direction as well. But this is one of those moments where I just I just wonder what Jesus's reaction to that was, because I know if I was there, I, I think I would have just thrown my hands up. But but again, Jesus is, is such a great teacher, and he's able to then continue to to progress the conversation and not get drug into their murkiness in regards to the Jewish culture. Yeah, he's he's just again progressing about you know the key is who who I am. I mean that's the whole key who Jesus is. I mean, that's the whole key to this teaching. And I mean, again, you know, we've made mention already, you go all the way back to John chapter one, where John is going to set in place that Jesus was God, that Jesus is eternal, that Jesus, Mm -hmm. there is no beginning, that there is no end. And, And you see that play here at the very end. I mean, in all this conversation about Abraham, and almost in a comical way of the way that they're handling themselves. I mean, Jesus pushes the door, you know, even further by really making mention that, listen, I, I know Abraham. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he's, ba- I mean, it's a little paraphrase here at the end, but uh-huh. I mean, he's like, I-, I know Abraham and Abraham is excited mm-hmm. about the fact that I'm here mm-hmm. and that, you know, he is rejoicing that, you know, this time has come. And, 
you know, he's glad that this is going on. Abraham's glad about this. And I mean, they're just blown. And they're like, you know, you're not even 50 years old. And you're, you're claiming to, you know, to have seen Abraham. He lived, you know, a thousand years ago yeah. or whatever the case may be. And, and so, I mean, this is just a bothersome thing for them as well. And then you have there in verse 58, again, before Abraham was... I am, and, and that's an incredible throwback to mm-hmm. you know Exodus chapter three with yep. Moses and God and the you know that conversation about you know who who you're going to say that you know sent me and you have that I am statement. It's a powerful, powerful statement that Jesus makes here before Abraham was I am, and, and that's what we see the eternal nature of of Jesus even as he is here on earth. His divinity or his godness is not gone, is mm-hmm. not lost. And he makes that point right here. And it simply is not anything that they can handle. And that's why this chapter mm-hmm. closes with the fact, you know, you, you listen, it opens up with the stoning that's about to take place, and it ends with the stoning that's about to take place. Yeah, when the Jews, th- this is like this double whammy that they just can't take. You, can't. You, you know, you're talking about Abraham, and now, you know, that the, the sacred name of God, you know, that, that they, yeah. I mean, at, at this point in time, they won't even utter it out loud themselves right and it's so precious to them and so they they look at it as this man is disparaging abraham and now he's using god's covenant name to to talk about himself we just can't take that anymore and 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 jesus i think as you pointed out this is as as challenging as all of this is that's where he wants them he wants them to confront these things because unless you're able to get past this and see jesus for who he truly is and then you're never going to be able to understand the teaching that he has to bring. You first have to understand who Jesus is. Right. And that's what he's been trying to get them to see this whole time. Yeah, and it's just, you almost have the closing here with the miracle that's not mentioned necessarily as a miracle, but yeah. you know they take up stones to throw at him, and he just kind of passes through the midst of them. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's done. He's done what needed to be done here to get their mind working. Mm-hmm. And certainly that's exactly what takes place here at the end of the chapter. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up there as we finish chapter 8. I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your day to study along with us. Again, hopefully this has given you some things to think about and to study on your own. Uh, if you've missed any of our previous uh, studies uh, through the first part of the Gospel of John, uh, we'd encourage you to to uh, subscribe to our podcast. If you go to Apple Podcast and search for uh, Traders Point Church of Christ or Truth Talk, that will come up, and you can subscribe to that and listen to any of the past episodes that you may have missed. So thank you for for doing that. If you've already subscribed, and if you haven't, please please take advantage of that. So thank you all for taking some time out of your day to study along with us, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.